36. That's uh, Genesis chapter 36, which is a genealogy. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do with this, but God helped. Uh, We're going to read through it. Uh, I thought I might take time to learn how to pronounce some of the words, but I thought it might be more entertaining if I didn't, so I didn't. So if something comes out really funny, feel free to laugh. Okay? We're going to start... Oh, and by the way, we're going to go through the genealogy, but we're also going to talk about Esau. We're going to talk about Edom and um, what happened to Edom, because I think it's appropriate here. Okay, now this is the genealogy of Esau. Who is Edom? Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, Elohibama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion the Hivite, and Basimath, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nebajoth. Now Ada bore Eliphaz to Esau, and Basemath bore Ruel, and Aholibama bore Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These were the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the persons of his household, his cattle and his animals, and all his goods, which he had gained in the land of Canaan, and went to a country away from the presence of his brother Jacob, for their possessions were too great for them to dwell together. And the land where they were strangers could not support them because of their livestock. So Esau dwelt in Mount Seir, Esau is Edom. And we'll pause here. I tried to make sense of this because we knew that Jacob was actually over, um, not in Canaan during this time, but it's talking about it as if he is here. Um, There are a couple ways you can look at this. One is that it's looking at it from when Jacob returned, which could be true. Another is that... um, Isaac's possessions were spoken of as as Jacob's possessions because, remember, um, Esau sold his birthright for a meal. Okay? So it made a little more sense to me that way. Also wanted to point out that um, Esau uh, started to set up his home in a different place. And we're going to come back to that. It's an, I think it's an important point about Esau and about his descendants. But we'll move on for now. And this is the genealogy of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. These were the names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz, the son of Ada, the wife of Esau, and Ruel, the son of Basimath, the wife of Esau, and the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Getam, and Kenaz. Now Timnah was the concubine of Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. These were the sons of Ada, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of Ruel, Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, Mizah, 
These were the sons of Basimath, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of, of Aholibama, Esau's wife, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion, she bore to Esau, Jeush, Jalem, and Korah. And these were the chiefs of the sons of Esau. The sons of Eliphaz, firstborn son of Esau, were chief Teman, chief Omar, chief Zepho, chief Kenaz, chief Korah, chief Getam, and chief Amalek. These were the chiefs of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. They were the sons of Ada. These were the sons of Ruel, Esau's son, chief, chief Nahath, chief Zerah, chief Shammah, chief Mizah. These were the chiefs of Ruel in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Basimath, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of uh, Holibama, Esau's wife, chief Jeush, chief Jalam, chief Korah, these were the chiefs who descended from Aholibama, Esau's wife, the daughter of Anna. These were the sons of Esau, who was Edom, and these were their chiefs. And I'll pause here because um, you notice as we're moving along, the children, children of Esau are becoming organized. They have chiefs. Um, but moving on, the sons of Seir... These were the sons of Seir, the Horite, who inhabited the land. Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anna, Dishon, Ezer, Dishon. These were the chiefs of the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Edom. And the sons of Lotan were Hori and Heman, Himam. Lotan's sister was Timnah. These were the sons of Shobal, Alvan, Manehath, Ebel, Shepho, and Onam. These were the sons of Zibion, both Aja and Ana. This was the Ana who bore, who found the water in the wilderness as he pastured the donkeys of his father Zibion. These were the children of Anna. Dishon, Aholibama, the son of the son of Anna. I get lost. These were the sons of Dishon. Hemdan, Eshban, Ithran, and Cheran. These were the sons of Ezer, Bilhan, Zavan, and Achan. And these were the sons of Dishan, Uz, and Aran. These were the chiefs of the Horites, Chief Lotan, Chief Zobal, Chief Zibion, Chief Anna, Chief Dishan, or Dishan, Chief Ezer, Chief Dishan. These were the chiefs of the Horites according to their chiefs in the land of Seir. And the sons of Seir are the people who were living there. So the, uh, Esau moved in with his family and lived with them. And um, they became as one people. So, Moving on in, chapter, in uh, verse 31, these were the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the children of Israel. Bela, son of Beor, reigned in Edom, and the name of his city was Denhaba. And when Bela died, Jobab, the son of Zerah of Bozrah, reigned in his place. And when Jobab died, Hushan of the land of the Temanites reigned in his place. And when Hushan died, Hadad, the son of Badad, who attacked Midian in the field of Moab, reigned in his place. And the name of his city was Avith. And when Hadad died, Samla of Masreka reigned in his place. And when Samla died, 
Saul of Rehoboth by the river reigned in his place. And when Saul died, Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, reigned in his place. And when Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, died, Hadar reigned in his place. And the name of his city was Pau. His wife's name was Mehedebal, daughter of Matred, daughter of Mazahab. I don't know if you noticed there, but there's no one lineage. That's because the kings of Edom were, were selected. They weren't, um, it wasn't the son became king. Is When a king died, they picked among the chiefs who the king was going to be. And picking up with uh, verse 40, these were the names of the chiefs of Esau according to their families and their places by their names. Chief Timna, Chief Alva, Chief Javeth, Chief Aholibama, Chief Elah, Chief Pinon, Chief Kinaz, Chief Timen, Chief Miz- Mibzar, Chief Magdiel, and Chief Iram. These were the chiefs of e- Edom according to their dwelling places in the land of their possession. Esau was the father of the Edomites. So that's the chapter, but now we're going to talk about more broadly Esau and Edom and uh, what it means to us today. So what can we say about Esau? Well, God never talked to him. I, I did not find one place in the Bible where God talked to Esau. Like he spoke to Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, not Esau. What do you think he thought about that? I wonder about him because I wonder if he thought that, you know, this God, I don't know if there's a God. I've never talked to him. I know my grandfather did, my father did, my brother did, even my mom, not me. And uh, maybe he thought that, well, this God, what has he ever done for me? Do I really need him? So hold on to that thought. It'll come back. He didn't think much of his birthright. And we know earlier in scripture that uh, Jacob had sold, uh, had bought the birthright from Esau for a meal. Doesn't that sound crazy? Doesn't it? Anybody have adult children? Raise your hand if you have any adult. Okay. If, if, if one of your adult children tried to do something like that with another adult child, would you stop that? Might you step in and say, hey, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that's not yours to sell. Isaac didn't do it. I never thought of that. And, you know, when I heard the story, I was a kid. I thought that they were young men doing this, but they weren't. They, they were well into their adulthood years when this happened. Um, I, I think what it spoke of was that Esau was so much his own man at this point. He was so self-sufficient. He really didn't care about what his father had. He had some things of his own, and what he had was growing. He didn't care. And that's why it meant so little to him that he could sell it for a meal. That is not scripture, that's me. But um, his parents didn't stop it. 
Then there's the local women. Um, let's see. Back in Genesis 26, 34 and 35, when Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they were a grief of mine to Isaac and Rebekah. And um, so he married who he wanted to. He really didn't care what his parents thought. Do you think that possibly he might have known what his parents would have preferred? Possibly? I think possibly. Um, you might have noticed that the way the wives are listed are different than in, chapter, um, in the chapter we're reading now. And I think also when I said, gen- oh yeah, okay. In, in, um, in 36, they're listed differently. They could be different wives who died or, or sometimes uh, wives have multiple names. So I read a little bit about that. Um, but let's move on. He really cared about the blessing. So he didn't care about the birthright, but he cared about the blessing, right? Birthright, he sells for a meal. Blessing, it gets stolen from him. He wants to kill his brother. My opinion again, I think he was superstitious. I think that Esau thought that if there was a God, the kind of God that he was most comfortable with was the kind of gods he met at Mount Seir. The kind of god where you could scratch his back and he'd scratch yours. Uh, Also, I think the blessing, yeah, superstition. So he liked to have the prayer like it had some sort of power. Almost, you know, and if there was an amulet involved, he probably would have thought that was great. But um, I, I think that he was superstitious. I also think he wanted to be in charge. I think he saw himself as very much in charge. And um, that's why he was angry about his brother taking his blessing, because he didn't care if Jacob got the stuff. He wanted to be in charge. He wanted to be boss. And he saw that that wasn't going to happen. So he wanted to kill Jacob. And we pointed out earlier he married... uh, No, he didn't, actually. Uh, I didn't say that yet. When Jacob went off to... um, uh, Well, to flee, actually, but to get a wife. um, Esau saw that... um, Actually, let me just read it. In Genesis 28, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife there from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples and give 
and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac, so Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, Bethuel, I probably, I mispronounced that, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. So Esau went to the daughters of Canaan that did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife in addition to the wives that he had. So that's a day late and a dollar short if you ask me. Um, And uh, notice that uh, Jacob gave, or Isaac gave Jacob a bonus blessing, one that he didn't have to give, because I think Isaac knew that um, uh, Jacob was going to be the one who was going to be blessed. He was going to be the one who was going to be um, carrying on um, the family line. And, and that's because. Way back in Genesis 25, the Lord told Rebekah. The Lord told her back at 25, 23, two nations are in your womb, two peoples shall be separated from your body, one people shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. Do you think that Rebekah told Isaac this? I don't know. You know, if God talked to me, might I tell my wife? I... I you know, I, I, think, I think that she did. I think that she did tell Isaac. I think Isaac knew it. Now, Esau did reconcile with Jacob, which is great. Um, although one could say that uh, God had a hand in it, and I believe that. But he didn't trust him. I don't think he ever trusted him. You might remember that when they did reconcile... Um, Jacob was supposed to follow Esau to Mount Seir, and Jacob didn't do it. He veered off. And then we read in Malachi and repeat it in Romans. Uh, Malachi chapter 1, Romans chapter 9, that God hated him. So, it's kind of harsh, isn't it? I always thought God's love, right? But... Um, do I think God loved him? In a sense, I think he did. I think he loves everybody. I mean, don't we as humans, don't we know if, if we've done it ourselves, don't we know people who love and hate somebody? It's just uh, I think God, in a sense, did love him as one of his children, but hated him in another way. And um, we'll talk about that as we go along. About Edom. His descendants. What can we say about Edom? Okay, in, Ch in Jeremiah 49, 49.7, it says he was wise. They're wise. 
Also in that same chapter, it says they're strong and cruel. Obadiah, proud. Obadiah is a really small book in the Bible. Um, spends part of it talking about um, Israel, but spends a lot of the time talking about Edom and the doom of Edom and the reasons why. We'll, we'll talk about that. Vindictive in Ezekiel 25, 12. Um, at the end of the nationhood of Judah, when the Babylonians were coming in and they, they came into Jerusalem, they tore down the temple, they tore down the walls, Edomites came in and helped. And they didn't, they didn't just help, they helped gleefully. They, 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 they were very happy about this. They rejoiced about this. They were drinking toasts about this. To the slaughter of the people, to the desecration of the temple, that's how they were. Superstitious, and Jeremiah mentions it, 27, 3 and 9. And idolatrous, Second Chronicles 25, uh, chapter 25. Um, Amaziah, the king at that time, had subjugated Edom again in a war. And after the successful war, you know, Judah won, they went in, he went in, brought back the Edomite gods and started worshiping them. And... Um, because of that, God pronounced a judgment on him and, uh, you know, by extension, the kingdom of Israel. Um, I'm not sure why he did it. I don't know that if it was something that he did. It doesn't make sense. You conquer somebody and you take the gods and you worship them. It might have been more like um, sometimes when nations conquered other nations, they would appropriate their gods and bring them all in. And, and maybe, you know, he worshipped them kind of in a sense. But, you know, if you conquer somebody else, you do the same thing. It's sort of a way to, it's, it's a kind of dis diplomacy. Maybe that's what he was doing. Or maybe he was fool enough for some reason to trust in those gods. I don't know. But uh, the Edomites were idolatrous. They, had, they knew about their family. They had to have known. Um, but they rejected the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in favor of gods that were already in the land. So what do we know about Israel and Edom? Well, Israel was forbidden to hate them. Forbidden to hate them. And that's Deuteronomy 23. I'm going to turn to that quickly here. Twenty-three seven says, You shall not abhor the Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor the Egyptian, because you are an alien in his land. So they were told not to hate. And later on, they were told not to spoil. They were told, told not to take anything that was in, um, within Edomite lands. Unless it was given to them or they bought it, they weren't to take it. Uh, we also learned in, uh, in Deuteronomy the third generation may be received into the congregation. You couldn't, even though they were related, if somebody uh, converted uh, and started to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they couldn't go into the temple. They weren't accepted there. Not until uh, the third generation. And in Numbers 20, 21... This is when the children of Israel were traveling and they wanted to go through Edom and they asked for permission. 
And Edom said, the, the, the Edomites said no, and they mustered troops, and they prevented them from passing through. Why do you think they did that? What do you think the Edomites were thinking? Well, how about, okay, these are the children of Jacob. Now we know what Jacob did to our father Esau. And we're going to let them come through our land? How do we know they're just not going to come and stay and take over? Like their, like their father did. Like their father took everything from our father, not that our father needed anything that he had. Well, we're not going to let them do that because this is our land now. They're not even a nation. We're a nation. We, we have kings. We have chiefs. They don't have anything, and they're not going to. They're not going to come through our land. That's what I think they were thinking. It's a, I think it's important. Later on, they always had it in for uh, Israel. So Saul had to go to war against them. And then 2 Samuel 8 and first, or First Chronicles 18, David subdued them. In First Kings and also in 11 and also First Chronicles 18, um, again, they were at war. And that time they actually uh, killed a lot of the men in Edom so that they wouldn't go to war again. <laughs> but give them a generation and they did. They raised up against Solomon. And that's in 1 Kings 11. I'm reading this as we go along in case anybody's listening um, on, on podcast. Um, they confederated uh, with Moab and, and a couple of other nations to attack Judah. And uh, God miraculously delivered um, Jehoshaphat, who was king. Actually, it was, I say Israel here, but it was really Judah um, from them. And, and that's in Second Chronicles 20. And it's also referred to in Psalm 83. But then they revolted against King Joram. But they were reconquered by Amaziah. And that's where uh, Amaziah was the one who took their idols back and started worshiping them. And their idols ensnared the Jews. You know, if you see your king worshiping some foreign god, what are you going to do? Well, if you want to curry favor with the king, you might worship them too. I think that's important. Then they rebelled against Ahaz later on. And then they gleefully aided Babylon against Judah. And that's um, referred to in, in Psalm 137 and also uh, Obadiah. That's important too. Because Edom had a fate as a nation, and it wasn't a good one. So if you write them a card, it would look like this. On the loss of your nation, you will be utterly destroyed. You had it coming, Edom, from the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Esau. And there's a lot of prophecies here. I'll... I'll, um, a lot of them are in some of the same chapters, so we're not going to turn to them or else we'd be spending our whole time turning from one thing to another, but I, they're mentioned here. 
Um, Israel would occupy their country. That's in Numbers 24:18, way back in Numbers. Balaam, you know, Balaam's donkey, that guy. He prophesied that. Obadiah did also later on. Um, they're going to share in the punishment of the nations. Jeremiah 9, Jeremiah 25, and Ezekiel 32. Punishment for persecuting Israel. That's in Isaiah 34, also in 63, and Lamentations 4, Ezekiel 25, Amos chapter 1, and Obadiah. Exterminating slaughter of Edom, that's Obadiah. Um, Utter desolation of their country, Isaiah 34 and Ezekiel 35. Pretty bad, huh? The king of Babylon, an instrument of their punishment. So, that's Jeremiah 27. They gleefully helped out the Babylonians in um, sacking Jerusalem, but then Babylon turned around and did the same thing to them. Israel, an instrument of their punishment. Ezekiel 25, 14, and Obadiah. I don't see how that's happening. But it didn't happen yet, that's why. We'll get to it. They're ruined to be an astonishment. I guess Jeremiah 49, and that's to the nations around them who never thought that Edom would be destroyed. And their future subjugation, subject, subjection to the Jews mentioned in Isaiah 14 and Amos 9. And that hasn't happened yet. So Edom, wise and proud, strong and cruel, superstitious, and idolaters. But wait, there's more. Let's talk about the Idumeans. The remaining Edomites in the country of Edom were kicked out by the, the Nabataeans, who were a tribe, they were southeast. And they came in, they kicked out Edom, the Edomites that were there. The Edomites went into southern Judah, and they became Idumeans. And again, they moved into southern Judea, and they were forced to convert to Judaism by the Maccabees. So they were subjected to the Jews after all. Here's a famous Idumean you should know about, Herod the Great. He's a client king for Rome. He became king because of his political connections. And once he became king, he built cities, a lot of cities. He built buildings. He rebuilt the temple. Um, he also became famous for being increasingly paranoid and ruthless. And that's, I, I mean, I heard that in church, but I've seen that on the History Channel. I've read it in other places, too. He killed three sons, a brother. He killed his wife's grandfather. He killed his favorite wife. He was interested in the Messiah, but I wouldn't call him devout because uh, he wanted to know who the Messiah was in order to kill him. He didn't want to worship him. He didn't care if he was the Messiah or somebody posing to be the Messiah. He was going to kill him just the same because that's the kind of guy he was. That's why they could, he could go into Bethlehem and kill every child that was uh, two years of age or younger. So, what happened? 
Well, they joined the Jews finally in revolting against Rome. And they, they were destroyed by the Romans. As, and People thought the Jews were destroyed too. But the Jews survived and returned. The Idumeans did not. So the Edomites were done. There are no Edomites. And what's that have to do with my life? Well, Esau was a guy, he didn't trust God. He trusted in himself and what he could do, you know. He could hunt. He was probably smart, wise, good leader. He, he didn't need anything his father had because he could go get it himself. He didn't need his father's God. He wasn't sure if there was a God or not, but it didn't really matter because what did, what did the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob ever done for him? So he went and did for himself. And his people were the same way. They were self-sufficient. Um, and um, they wanted a God who would, they could scratch their back and God would scratch theirs. They wanted a God in their own image. They had no problem with de-godding God. Um, Jacob was different, you know. Jacob, you know, he wasn't any better than Esau. Other than Esau wanting to kill Jacob, you know, that they... That's pretty bad, but Jacob wasn't any better. The difference was Jacob had faith. Jacob had faith. In, in Hebrews, they list at the end of Hebrews, Pastor Joel will go through this, uh, sort of a pantheon of faith, and Jacob's there. The difference between Esau and Jacob is their faith. So the difference between people today is their faith. You know, there are people today, they trust in themselves. They, they really, if they, if they want a God at all, they want one in their own image. You know? And sometimes the more like themselves, the better. Um, and, uh, and other people, you know, they trust God. You know, I trust God. Of course, if you looked at my life, I go through these periods of not trusting and then trusting and then really not trusting and then trusting. You kind of wonder. But... Um, God's brought me through that. And I think there are a lot of people in this church who can say the same thing. Everybody's story is different. But the difference between Jacob and Esau is faith. So if there's somebody here whose life has been self-sufficiency and whose life has been, well, if there's a God, let me see what I can do for him. You know, let my good outweigh my bad. Maybe I'll be accepted. And it doesn't work like that. Um, it works in a way that... Um, God came to earth as man. God came to earth as Jesus Christ, living a sinless life, living a perfect life, taking our sins upon himself as um, a sacrifice, a perfect one, um, and rising again so that we could have new life. But it takes place in trust. If you don't place the trust, you're nowhere, just like Esau was, and just like his people became. So if you don't know Christ, please come see me, see Pastor Joe, Pastor Paul. We can talk, we can pray. Um, and if you are like Jacob, well, this has mostly been about Esau, but take heart because in, in our imperfection, God is faithful and to bring us through. Also, you know, for those who have loved ones and friends who are like Esau now, there's no reason why they can't be like Jacob later. 
All they need to do is to place their faith in the living God. Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank 